everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Buckeye Dads Discuss. I'm Josh. And I'm Andy. Andy, how's your week been? It's better, man. It's It's been a decent week. We had a couple of nice days of weather, got outside a little bit, took the kids to the park, and had some uh, mud monsters. So <laughs> it's nice that some signs of, of life, some signs of spring are here. So not a bad week. How about you? Oh. These last two weeks have been brutal, man. Um, my youngest son's daycare instructor tested positive for COVID. So they shut the classroom down for two weeks. And with some family unavailability, it meant basically my wife and I alternated. One person goes in early, comes home. The other person goes in to work late, uh, which means a whole lot of single parent time with the kids and a whole lot of not seeing your spouse and a whole lot of just trying to make up for not being in during normal hours at work. And uh, it's finally come to an end. Thank goodness. Uh, But I am worn down and ready for the weekend. Well, the weekend is here, my friend. So thankful for that. So Andy, you were kind of the driving force of this episode. We're, We're shifting gears back to one of our older big picture, more evergreen topics. Uh, so Andy, what are we going to be talking about today? We are going to be talking about social media, uh, why some of you are assholes on it, and <laughs> <laughs> what the future may hold. Oh, yeah. So I mean, this is something that's so pervasive in 2021 and has been for the the last decade or so. Uh, we're, let's Let's dive in for a quick kind of recap. Uh, we'll both talk about just some of the really, uh, you know, biggest tycoons uh, in this field and talk about our own personal experiences. And then we'll you know, kind of back out and look at some bigger picture topics that are, you know, relevant in, in our lives and, and what we've kind of experienced uh, in 2021. So Sounds good. Um, I pulled up this nifty little infographic. Um, so th- there's quite a bit before 2004. Um, you have LinkedIn, which I, I don't really consider social media, but I know a lot of weird people do. Uh, you know, MySpace is around before this. But 2004, we get two titans uh, join the field. Gmail uh, comes up as the first, like, you know, really big. Uh, you know, you have AOL email, but Gmail is still around today. They still dominate the space for email. And then shortly thereafter... Mark Zuckerberg uh, unleashes Pandora's box and Facebook is born. Yeah, man. I, honestly, I I think this might be one of those things that we look back in like 100 years and this might be a historic event that we are kind of underestimating the impact of right now. I think when we look back, I mean, Facebook may be the beginning of the end of civilization and we just haven't seen it yet so i i I think the history books looking back at at 2004 and and mark zuckerberg and the ideas that he stole from you know those two dudes in the movie i can't remember the whole plot but i vaguely remember him being a bit of a jerk in the movie um (laughs) but yeah i i think we'll look back on the at facebook is i mean i think facebook has fundamentally changed the way that we communicate as human beings so I, i think this is a big one it's huge, right? And it's crazy because we were around for pretty much the very beginning of this. And it hasn't been, we haven't even hit two decades of it yet. And again, you know, at the very beginning, you know, the user base is exponentially smaller than it currently is. 
Um, and so, Andy, for shits and giggles, I got my phone up right now, and I set, I went to my page, and I set the timeline for 2006. And my very first uh, post on Facebook is, uh, uh, I there's a note in here that, uh, that I was born <laughs> into the world. And then the very first milestone is graduated from Central Catholic High School in 2006. Very and nice. The very first person commented on my Facebook wall on May 6, 2006. And again, for all of those Generation Z, you know, babyface Zoomers out there, Andy and I were in the OG crowd. You had to have a college email in order to log on to Facebook. Had to have that .edu. No .coms. You couldn't use your, your, uh, your AOL to get in. You had to have that .edu. This was college guys only. And uh, so, Andy, you still remember your Buckeye mail number? Yeah, .12, because it was my favorite number. I thought it was, I mean, clearly <laughs> I had made the right choice coming to Ohio State because I was half .12, and it was my favorite number. Yep. It was destiny. And you, I, and you were, too. I remember yours as well. Yep, stole 15, <laughs> yep. Um, remember uh, the, the twins and arguing about who got the earlier number, who, who was yep. born first? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so, again, you had to be, you know, big shot with a college email. Um, and, Andy, I'm scrolling through. Facebook essentially was just, like, a shitty Twitter when it came out. Yeah. Like, I'm looking at some of this, and it's basically just, like, I have like posts on my wall that are like, Josh is pissed at chemistry. <laughs> <laughs> Josh moved in and loving Ohio State University. Like, this is just a dumpster fire. It's so, cr- I mean, it corresponds to me being in college, which explains why it's so cringy. Um, but this is just like, who wants to read any of this stuff? That is that is on my wall. Nobody in the world. And then you get some pictures sprinkled in there and whatnot. But oh, it was rough. But at the time, it was the coolest thing in the world. Yeah, I'll, I'll typically at some point during the day look at that. You know, on this day in history, and and when you start getting to the uh, the two thousand sixes, two thousand sevens, there, there's some t- the song lyrics. You know, the uh, the old. AOL instant messenger away message basically that you would put up. Do you remember that it used to be a stem that it would be, you know, Andy Heft is like you couldn't uh-huh. even choose your own verb. It was is. And then you just had to fill in the rest of it. Yep. I don't, I, I'm, I'd be curious to see when that went away. I'd imagine it probably was about the time that they started letting everybody in and it wasn't just, you know, the dot edus anymore, but uh-huh. I, I remember back when it was a stem and you couldn't even choose your own verb. In the beginning, Many, many years ago, Facebook was, I remember feeling pretty cool about it. Like I ended up, um, you know, there was a group email before I started college with all the people the like 25 people in my major, you know, added each other on Facebook. Um, I ended up playing a pretty significant role organizing a summer Cedar Point trip with a, with a bunch of people in, in my college major, since a lot of us were from Ohio. Um, And it was just like, you know, pictures and, you know, being able to get in touch with people who might be on the other side of the campus or develop plans or whatever. Uh, It was, it was pretty cool. And then they opened the doors to everyone and Facebook slowly starts to become what we see today, which if I 
could not get there was a better way for me to get updates on my friends and their and their families and their children i i would just delete my facebook account right now and i and i still might i'm still flirting with it i'm with you i there have been so many times when i was like i don't think i can read another terrible post but you're right i mean it is it's it's got staying power because it is still a really convenient way to stay in i mean it's so so widespread everybody has one i mean there are even though it's cringy i mean we do have what at this point 15 years worth of history on there we have you know photos from long long ago but uh, yeah i'm with i mean it's it's a cesspool it's a cesspool that it's just hard to i mean i imagine this is probably somewhat was like to be addicted to drugs like yeah i don't want to do it anymore but also it's kind of hard to quit yep uh as of uh fourth quarter 2020 uh, roughly 2.8 billion monthly active users uh you know when when you're in the bil- billions i mean you are just a force like you are a culture altering uh reality altering force in the world um and we'll get into that a whole lot more later but it, again so 2004 you have these two things pop up 2005 i would have guessed this was earlier youtube comes around uh, and, and I swear it's just because I spent so many of my back half of my high school years watching you and Zach click on and watch the dumbest YouTube videos while we we're hanging out on the weekend. Oh, uh, I, th- I think you're mistaken on that. I don't <laughs> think we were even on the YouTube yet. We were, that was like college humor. That no, was, no, uh, I feel like I like feel new like grounds in the, in the, in the, like the last year of high school, I feel like we just spent a lot of time like playing risk maybe playing some halo or guitar hero and then just like watching dumb youtube videos but i don't know it all kind of now that we have kids it all just kind of blends into a haze Um, there were there were definitely a ton of terrible videos i just i you may be right maybe we were watching on youtube by then maybe i'm thinking of earlier days we're getting old um uh 2006 this says myspace is booming um, I don't really remember the MySpace years very much. I remember when you you started your account, you had Tom as your one friend, uh, <laughs> like guy who made my, MySpace or whatever. Um, did you then, ever have a MySpace? I did. Um, okay. I don't think it was well cultivated, um, but it, it did exist. So never had one. Um, but 2006, uh, Twitter is launched publicly on July 15th. Um, and by 2010, you're getting 750 tweets per second, 65 wow. million tweets a day. Um, and checking my Twitter account, I believe June 2011. So I, it took, takes me a little while to get into Twitter. Um, Twitter has taken an outsized role. Um, like Twitter is probably number one for me in the social media uh, space. Uh, and it primarily relates to news. Um, and again, we'll get into that later. Uh, but if if you make me pick Twitter versus Facebook, I'm taking Twitter every time. Hundred percent. I re- I re- I was resistant to Twitter. I remember. I actually remember the day that I joined Twitter because I felt like it was a big day. We it was uh it was when <laughs> it was when you guys lived in that that place uh closer to downtown. And we were down there for some some reason in the summer, and I sat there and I debate. It, it was probably you said June, 
2011. So it, it was probably about that same time that you had joined. And I was, I think I tried to resist it. And I was like, you know what? I'm doing it. I'm joining the Twitter <laughs> world. Oh. But I, I remember that being a, a, you know, fairly momentous occasion of like, uh, you know what? I am going to join this world. And, and that's one I, I don't regret as much as maybe the Facebook world. So this is kind of my cutoff phase. Um, in 2010, you also have Instagram comes into being, uh, which is picture based and largely and is, is something I have never been on. I, I theoretically tried to make one, and I'd say probably every three months I go back to it and try and figure it out. And I'm enough of a dinosaur that it doesn't make sense to me. So I probably spend an hour on it, maybe every three to six months, and say I don't get this, and so <laughs> and travel on. Theoretically, like this is the thing that I contemplated replacing Facebook with because it's just pictures. You know, I'm prim- primarily just looking for like pictures and the little blurbs you can write up about your you know your family vacation or or you know what you're doing for the holidays or whatever but then facebook ends up buying instagram so if you're trying to stick it to zuckerberg <laughs> uh you, you you can't do that by going over to instagram uh and then 2011 you get snapchat and then there's a whole run of uh social media apps that you know rise and fall you have videos with vine uh you know tiktok's really popular now and i'm sure there's a whole host uh, of ones that I'm leaving out. Um, but really, like, those are the big players. I mean, Vine was on fire for, like, six months. I remember when everything was doing it for the Vine, and then I don't know what happened to Vine, but I don't even know if they still support that platform anymore. Yeah. Um, I feel like TikTok's had them taken over that that space, but yeah, who knows? I, I, I'm venturing, I'm really getting close to, like, you know, old man uh yells at cloud territory because uh you know a lot of this stuff has dwindled for me you know i'm still still on facebook still on twitter um but a lot of the newer stuff i have just not gotten into yeah you know <laughs> prepping for the show i didn't even think of what dinosaurs we are but you know after that i feel old so thanks for that <laughs> yeah i mean really the line is were you cool enough to need a college email to get on a facebook or were you just our parents and just polluted the the site with just the worst garbage in the world some of us got that og status <laughs> all right andy so lead us in uh to this first topic that we want to start we're starting with something local uh there's a local high school uh catholic catholic high school saint john's jesuit uh, we were rivals of a sort uh, back in the day in high school, uh, and they had, uh, you know, there was some Black Lives Matter, Black History Month uh, issues that the students uh, were were protesting about, and they kind of just blew up all over social media. Yeah, so I got pretty fired up about this, coincidentally, right about the time that we were talking about this episode. So I said, you know what, I'm fired up and let's take it in that direction. So I'm going to start by saying to call them rivals, I think is a bit generous. Um, I mean, I I think we handled them pretty well, at least back in the, uh, you know, early aughts decade. And I I don't know if they were right. I mean, I think I feel like it's a bit of a Penn State situation where, you know, maybe St. John's thought we were rivals and we said, yeah, okay, it's fine. (laughs) Whatever you need to think. But no, all right, that's enough. That's enough. I'm actually I think they're doing some really great things. So that's the shot I had to get in before we get into it. But yeah. So from what I understand, and it's a little bit tough to, you know, 
figure out exactly what's going on. There was a, something about a t-shirt that it goes back to October. The students had designed a t-shirt that had some names of police brutality victims on it. And it was supposed to be a, a bit of a celebration for Black History Month. So this is something that had been in the works for two to three months. The administration had approved it and said it was okay. And then they kind of really dragged their feet and said, eh, you know what, I don't know if we're actually going to be cool with that. To go along with it, so to celebrate Black History Month, students were trying to play music that highlighted Black artists. And then that became a point of contention. Even when they were trying to use clean lyrics versions of it, it became a bit of a point of contention with um, the administration. And they said, ah, I don't know if we're going to play this, this music. Um, so really, it seems like the students were kind of told that they could take some leadership roles and celebrate Black History Month in the way that, that they saw fit and, and you know wanted to celebrate Black culture. And then the administration didn't honor the things that, that they said they would ahead of time and, and came up with a lot of what seemed to be pretty flimsy excuses for why the students couldn't go ahead and, and do the things that everybody had agreed to, which is pretty crappy. So the students ended up walking out. A group of students anyway ended up walking out over this because they felt like that they weren't being treated fair and that they were a bit lied to and, and that things weren't fair. And I get that. And I mean, it was very peaceful. They walked out, they ended up, so, you know, it started positive. They walked out, the school said, you got to go since you walked out of school. So they ended up going across the street to the Home Depot parking lot and the police ended up getting called, which I'm not really cool with. I think that's a huge overreaction. I mean, these were students that were just trying to make their voices heard. They weren't being violent. They weren't saying inappropriate things they were saying hey you guys said you would do this and and now you're not following through on what you said you would do so i think that was crappy um the thing that that i really liked though was the students published the letter that they had sent the school so it's a group called uh saint john's jesuit high school students eager for change so they they sent published this letter um, and I'm just going to read a couple of quotes from it that, that really stuck with me. Um, I thought it was really classy. It was really well written and it, it explained why they were frustrated in, in really good ways. But I think the lines that really hit hard where they said that the administration prioritized the short term comfort of its privileged students and colleagues over their commitment to equity and justice for students of color. That's a shot. Mm hmm. And they also asked the school, so in their, their closing paragraph, they asked the school to stand up for what is right, regardless of the public's perspective. Again, I mean, that, that, hits, that hits hard, but they're not wrong. And then kind of the body of the letter was really just explaining what had happened, the agreements that they had with the administration, and then how the administration had gone back on them. Uh, one of the points that I really like that they made was some of the music that they were trying to play is the exact same music that's played at sporting events. And it's not an issue at sporting events, but when it becomes music that's being played to honor Black History Month, all of a sudden it became an issue. So they made some really good points in this letter. And I, I don't know what the school's response was. I didn't see a published response from the school. I'm guessing we probably won't just because that tends to be, you know, schools tend to handle things more in-house. So I doubt that we'll actually see a public response to that. Um, but, but anyway, you know, I, I was proud of the students. I thought they did a really nice job. And then I saw the story on the local news and I waded into the social media comments <laughs> and holy shit, people are awful. Awful. I mean, I, awful. 
So before we before we dive into that, I just want to make one extremely glib comment. So I read through this letter that the SJJ students wrote up, and in either the first or second paragraph, there was a uh, uh, they opted not to use the Oxford comma, and I felt it really kind of you know made it difficult to understand the sentence. And so, moral of the story, people, the Oxford comma is essential and should be used at all times. Wow. This is your PSA. <laughs> Other than that, though, wouldn't, wouldn't you agree it was a really well-written letter? <laughs> Absolutely. It was very very eloquent as far as these are our concerns. This is what we feel like is, you know, I'm going to use the word hypocrisy. Like, you know, there's so much in the wake of George Floyd and, and all the things that have happened since then. There's so much performative bullshit where it's like, oh, yes, we really care about racial equality and really, you know, believe sy- systemic racism is real and, and we need to do something to change it. Um, and then it's like, okay, so now you said these very nice words. What are you actually going to do? What actions are you going to take to back up these words that you said? And then you just hear crickets and, uh, and, and nothing ever really happens. And so... You know, the students say, hey, this is what this is how we feel um, that, that you have not really put actions behind your commitments. And uh, and that was really, you know, the source of the, the issue, I think. Yeah, I don't think people like to be called out for when they say that something matters to them. And then when they're asked, OK, so, you know, you can put your money where your mouth is. Well, that gets a little uncomfortable. Nothing that I, nothing that the school did, I think, comes close to the comments on, I mean, there, there were three or four different stories. So, you know, there were follow-up stories. So there was the, the original story about the walkout and the protest. There was the publication of the student letter. There was an, another group came from outside of the community and came in and then had a follow-up protest. And I mean, their comments on probably the three or four stories about this issue that I read were consistently, I mean, disgusting seems like it's a word that doesn't go far enough. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I, I found a story for just one of these stories and just scrolling through, I mean, you have the entire gamut of, you just have like pure, you know, I'm, you know, I probably have a KKK hood hanging up in my closet. Uh, Just awfulness. But you also have a lot of like, I'm going to say trying to be neutral slash well-intentioned and, but just completely and utterly missing the mark in just an awful way. Like, for example, I'm obviously not going to read this person's name, but this is like a guy who probably thinks, Oh, Hey, this is a completely reasonable point. You know, not, not in any kind of way, racist, perfectly neutral. Okay, not all students would be interested in black history. Doesn't make you a racist. Uh, playing certain music over the PA is forcing everyone to listen. Black Lives Matter seems to only come out when blacks have a specific concern. Uh, it's great to display your heritage, but don't force it on those not interested. And like, yikes. And like, w- like, what? Like, that person is probably patting themselves on the back. Like, I just showed everyone with my really insightful in the middle moderate take and it's like no that's fucking awful are you serious awful i mean 
if you want to say that Black Lives Matter only comes out when it's a topic that interests them, I mean, I think the interest is not being murdered in the streets by the police and being treated with any sense of equity in our society. So in that sense, I mean, maybe uh, thinly veiled racist Tom there <laughs> has somewhat of a point, but only if the cause is, you know, not being treated completely unfairly by a system that's designed to perpetuate unfairnesses that have been going on in our country for over 400 years. And then you get oh, things I... like, and then you get things like Black Lives Matter stands for burning, looting, marauding. <laughs> so, you know, uh, literally the, the entire gamut of just awfulness. I, the one, the ones that, that really got to me. So there was one that was shot up and dribble which I, I get it. That's like a right wing, you know, response to people kneeling for the flag or whatever. But what the fuck? This wasn't even about sports. This had not a damn thing to do with sports. That one really pissed me off. Um, privileged kids just trying to get out of class, treating that. I mean, holy sh- Like, how are we going to just diminish people's voices by saying that they're trying to get out of class? No, they're standing up for what they believe in. I mean, ugh. And the privileged kids part of it. I mean, that, that, that's also just, just tough, but no, this is about so much more than getting out of class. This is not, this is about people standing up for standing up against an unfair system. Um, the kids that go there should feel lucky to go there in no way explains why they shouldn't also speak the truth <laughs> of racism. Like, sure. You can feel lucky to go there. That doesn't mean you should shut up and accept the shitty world that we live in. That's even more of a reason to get out and speak what you're seeing around you. So the, those, uh, the, those were the, 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 the ones about privilege and about people feeling lucky to go there was that those one, those really got under my skin. I mean, it, it is that that's even more reason why people, we should encourage people to stand up because I mean, these are people in our society and in our, I mean, this is one of the best schools in our area. Yeah. these are exactly the, the kids that sh- we i mean everyone should be standing up but there's no reason that they shouldn't be standing up too no absolutely and i mean again like we should put it in the context for our non-local listeners like uh this high school is as a catholic high school it is one of the kind of premier high schools in the city uh they certainly you know look down their nose noses at us uh when we were in high school you know we got chance of uh central public lobbed that are lobbed our way during football games and whatnot um so again you know theoretically you know that goes along with a certain uh high tuition uh and a lot of these catholic schools now i mean we're getting you know the college tuition bubble is a is a, a topic for another time but some of these uh you know catholic high schools in the area are more expensive than the local colleges and uh the local college university of toledo is a good school and uh, tuition there, if you're paying full cost, which most people probably aren't, uh, is even more expensive than that. So, I mean, it's a good school, but like you said, but that doesn't that doesn't mean anything. You know that um, you should just be proud that you have students who are, uh, you know, kind of trying to push this issue out into the public and uh, actually drive for some real change. I mean, fair or not, the St. John's of the world are probably going to get more attention than the Toledo public schools of our world. So that's even more reason why, I mean, they're going to have a bigger platform. It's not fair, but it is the way that society works. So these kids that have a bigger platform, it's, 
even more of a reason why they should be speaking out and good for them for doing what they did. Mm -hmm. So really, this is just one example in, you know, a sea of just filth that you get on social media. So again, like, let's, you know, we go through the evolution. It's, it's just those college kids. It gets opened up to the public. And uh, you eventually get things, uh, you know, you get the newsfeed going, you get your, your timeline going, your stories going. Uh, but Facebook just becomes this absolute hub of where people get their news. You know, they don't get it by coming home and turning on the six o'clock local news or, you know, having their subscription to their local newspaper or the New York Times or the Washington Post or even, you know, settling in. Uh, you know, as you're winding down for the night, I mean, there's certainly still a lot of Fox news being watched. Um, but you know, now you have this other ecosystem that just, uh, for, for all sides of the spectrum just becomes your own kind of self-fulfilling prophecy, your own echo chamber where you just get the news that you want to hear and that you think is interesting and that agrees with your perspective and it feeds on itself and it feeds on itself and that now you get to the point right now where, uh, you know, in the 2016 election, you have foreign countries, uh, you know, using the platform as a diff- disinformation campaign to spread false and, uh, you know, untrue and malignant stories uh, about, you know, in this case, a Democratic politician uh, and really kind of potentially having some impact on the course of an election. Yeah, and I think... Even if we're not talking about having, you know, foreign influence, I mean, just the fact that people are basing big decisions like who they're going to vote for or if they're going to get a vaccine that's 100% safe on social media comments where, I mean, literally anybody can say anything is terrifying. Yeah, and again, it's just so, I mean, this will be the thing. This is the thing that makes me use the mute button that makes me unfollow people that makes me, you know, want to pull my hair out and get rid of Facebook overall is you just see the memes and the links and the posts. And you just say over and over, that's, that's not true. That's factually incorrect. That's just wrong. And that this is what people, you know, they think these are legitimate news sources, uh, and they are like, oh, yeah, this is something I can point to where a bunch of other people share the same opinion I do based on a false set of premises. And uh, and yeah, that's that's how I made my decision about who I'm going to vote for for president of the United States or how I'm going to, uh, you know, how I'm going to take certain medications and vaccines and make, you know, big decisions about my personal health. Like, it's insane. You know, I I think it would probably be lost on a lot of people, but at one point, the idea of a geocentric world was pretty popular. And I mean, I'd imagine that, you know, if Facebook existed in the 1400s, people would have said, of course, you know, (laughs) the universe revolves around the earth. Why wouldn't it? But just because a bunch of people say that it's true doesn't make it factually correct. it's just so basic, right? Like I don't want to, I don't want to, you know, throw our parents' generation and everyone older than them under the bus. But it's it like, is not just our parents' generation. Oh, that's that, and that's true. That is a <laughs> gro- that is a gross generalization by me. Uh, but again, just 
we at least had the beginnings of internet literacy and checking your sources and is this uh, you know something that's actually reliable um and it's and it's so funny obviously like you know when we were in school it was you can't trust what's on wikipedia <laughs> and now it's like the first thing that i go look at is the wikipedia page because it's you know sourced and it, it's gonna you know it might not be the gospel truth but it's gonna give me a good general picture before i start diving into specific sites so i mean wikipedia is a hell of a lot better than do you remember why they told us we shouldn't use wikipedia though I don't remember, no. They told us we shouldn't use Wikipedia because anyone could edit it because yep. Wikipedia was essentially crowdsourced information. Uh-huh, yep. And lo and behold. Here we are. <laughs> what do we have now? <laughs> you know, when you really have crowdsourced information. And again, it's just so, like, I really just need to let go every time I, you know, see a stupid meme based on incorrect, incorrect data or grossly disingenuous information uh and it's just like it just kills me that people like see that and they're like and it's literally like nobody's ever gonna say this out loud but it really just feels like well i saw it on the internet so it must be true well one i think you're underestimating people because i've heard people say that before i i don't even think at this point people are ashamed to say that so <laughs> to say that, that that's a bridge too far i don't even think that's true i think there's people that would say i saw it on the internet so it's got to be true um have you found yourself i mean the last four years comes to mind i don't know if there's a specific reason why i think it's like the last i mean maybe four years and like i don't know 38 days something like that um <laughs> that it's just gotten a lot worse and that have you found yourself where there's those situations where it's like this is so brutal i don't know if i can just let this pass and like be able to sleep at night like some things are just so factually incorrect that you're like somebody's got to say something right does it have to be me oh no i don't wonder it i know it and then i and i do it like there are just times where i just can't even if it's just you know it's the most serious i'm gonna scare you because the brown people are coming to get you type you know th meme or whatever uh, based on you know statistics that are you know, completely inaccurate or completely out of context. And sometimes all I'll just do is I'll just drop, the, you know, you got a whole bunch of angry faces and likes and I'll just drop the laughing emoji on, on the thing. You know, it'll be like my stepfather-in-law, uh, you know, somebody who I see on a weekly basis and, and just, we, you know, we just have a general understanding. We don't really talk about politics or whatever for the most part. Uh, but I'll just drop like the random, the one laughing emoji to be like, this is fucking ridiculous. Like, I just want to let you know that I saw this and I judged it. And I just want you to know that without saying any words and drawing any attention to it. Fair enough. I, I have really found in the last, it's not like our politics are a secret. So I mean, the last four years, it has been, and I mean, the last year, you know, COVID specifically, it has been so hard to just look at things. And it's like, I don't want someone else to read that and then think that this is like real life. Oh, yeah. And that's the thing. If it was just <laughs> if it was self-contained, I could just scroll by and shake my head. Right. And not react. But it propagates. It spreads if you know. And again, 
it still does that even if I chime in with some smart ass remark about how dumb that comment is and use your brain and all that or whatever. And it, it still does that. And I really, you know, I do that to make my myself feel better. And it, it's really not changing anybody's mind or really doing a whole lot. I might start an argument and that it might just, again, make me feel a little bit better, but uh, it just can't, you know, if one person says, oh, wait, I know Josh and he's, you know, he's kind of an asshole, but he sometimes knows what he's talking about. And if he thinks this is completely wrong, maybe just maybe I should at least look into this a little bit more. And if I can do that one time for one person and I still get the satisfaction on dunking on idiotic ideas, I'm sorry. <laughs> it's it's a character flaw, but I'm still going to do it. <laughs> oh, I love it. I do feel like that's a little bit where this whole show came from. Oh, absolutely. Like, I just, I just felt like, you know, we both kind of simultaneously came to the conclusion that we just needed an outlet, you know, a consistent outlet where we could just go and just scream into the void yep. about how <laughs> society was crumbling around us. Absolutely. <laughs> that is 100% why, why when you made that post of that you wanted to start a podcast, this is it. We got to do this because let's scream into the void together. Yeah. And again, I, I always feel good at the end of these. Like, I feel yep. like I've, I've gotten a lot of weight, you know, off my back. And then it's just like, okay, like, yes, the world is falling apart. But at least I know that there's a there's a small core of people who like see what I'm seeing. And, and again, it's so funny, because you could say all of the things that I'm saying, for the people who think exactly the opposite of us and they're saying the same thing it's just one of us is based in reality and facts and the <laughs> other side sometimes is not uh, and, and that's how i'm gonna choose to say that that's i think that's a beautiful way to say it my friend so yeah you make the note here that it seems like there's no middle ground that it's yeah. gotten worse in the last four years and, and again i've already said this and this is you know this is politics i think you know, as much as there's so many people who just want to say politics, I just want to put it in this tiny black box and compartmentalize it, you know, in the corner of my mind and not and say, oh, I don't really care about or think about politics or whatever. But this is a thing where when the most powerful person in the world says and acts a certain way, it just seeps into the culture. And now you have this permission structure going back to that phrase again where if Donnie can say it and do it, then it must be okay. And now I'm just going to say it and I don't care how awful it is. I'm just going to say it. Yeah. I, th I think, you know, where I was being a little bit tongue in cheek with, has it gotten worse over the last four years? Absolutely. It has. And it's precisely because of that permission structure. I mean, I think we've discussed it a little bit on previous episodes, but I mean, Trump basically made it okay to be racist again. Like he didn't make America great again, but he did make America racist again. He made it okay to be racist in public again. Yes. Uh, you know, because again, plenty of people in, you know, in the, in the comfort of their own homes behind closed doors and shut windows, you know, say a whole bunch of awful stuff. But when you're in, you know, unknown company, you know, it, you maybe you open your mouth and then you close it before you're going to say that thing that maybe that other person uh, would find offensive and objectionable. And now it's just like, you just go ahead and say it. 
Yeah, it's it's. I mean, Trump machine manufactured the perfect flag to explain what it's become, and it, it was the uh, the classic Trump twenty twenty fuck your feelings flag. I mean, that's what it's become. People don't people are people are fine with offending people. People are fine with being racist. People are fine with being ignorant. It's just okay. It's okay, especially white people. White people are just fine with being racist anymore because. Because Trump was racist and no one said a word about it. It didn't hurt him. It didn't hurt him. He had the second most votes of all time after being openly racist. And we decided as a country, yeah, we can be, we're cool with that as long as we got dollars in our pockets. Yeah. And to tie this back to social media, right? Like for a, a long hit, a part of the internet, and this is still largely true, but I feel like maybe less true than it has been. Like you worship your anonymity, your, anonymity your anonymity um <laughs> you know you hid behind the fact that you were a keyboard warrior with you know username new master 69 and you know you could say whatever you want and nobody knew who you were and you could say whatever offensive thing you wanted to because you had the luxury of knowing that nobody would ever be able to tie this back to you and yep. and now we've thrown that away largely and it's just like Yep, here's my first name and my last name, and here's my horrible thought. <laughs> Go ahead, world. What do you, what are you gonna do about it? Yeah, I, but and then on top of that, be really, really mad when the world actually does something about it, and there's real, real world consequences for the dumb shit that people are saying. Okay, so we're gonna have to take a, a tangent here for a second. Yep, and let's talk about cancel culture and Dr. Seuss. So. This has been in the news for the last like week or so. And I just, yeah, I'm, I'm just so mind boggled. Like, like, and again, I see it on my Facebook feed and I'm like, what, what is going on? What, what are we actually talking about? Like, again, so there are six books of Dr. Seuss's that have questionable or outright bad depictions of people of color and kind of how those people are caricatured uh cartoonized uh in his books and the dr seuss estate decided that they were no longer going to publish those books it is six books uh and again i have kids young kids you have young kids i have not read nor do i own any of these six books they are much more obscure this is not Green Eggs and Ham. This is not Cat in the Hat. Um, and it's like, and it, this blew up into like the biggest story in the world about how, you know, the liberal media has canceled Dr. Seuss. Like, what is going on? So I am a pretty big Dr. Seuss fan, and I own at least one, if not two of those. Um, <laughs> so. I do have a little bit more of the uh, the deep cuts of Dr. Seuss, you know, some, some of the B-side books as well. So uh-huh. I do ha- I do have some of those here, but um you're right, they're not they're not they're not on the greatest hits album. Um it was the Seuss estate that decided that that was something that they didn't stand for anymore. I don't know how this has become liberal cancel culture is responsible for a business decision. It's amazing how the party that is all about free market capitalism all of a sudden gets offended when free market capitalism doesn't do what they want it to do. And somehow it's the, it's the liberal media's fault when a business decides to make a business decision. My mind is blown. 
So I will leave this person's name out of it, but I was scrolling across my Facebook feed the other day and I saw a poem written in the style of Dr. Seuss about how everything in the world was being canceled. Uh, It ends with, stop trying to cancel the air that I breathe for I live in America, the land of the free. And one thing is certain, you won't cancel me. And it has the Grinch giving the middle finger uh, to, you know, said liberal, you know, media who's canceling everyone. Like, and again, a bunch of people on this, you know, there's 10 likes. I know probably half of these people. Some of them, I'm not surprised to be on here. Some of them, I, I am rather surprised to be on here. And it's just like, again, the Republican Party is the party of Trump. They're not the party of tax cuts and small government and national security. They're the party of, you know, we want things that we want to, again, Trump hit the nail on the head. We want to make America great again, which means we want to go back to the days in which what the, you know, what the white monoculture thought said believed uh with no uh mind for any for anybody in any other group that is the dominant culture it needs to be able to live a hundred percent unedited and if you object to that then you are this liberal mob that's partaking in cancel culture and it's just ridiculous yeah i can't i can't handle the cancer that that's some that's when i just have to to put facebook down there's nothing i mean our world is constantly changing there's nothing wrong with change just in the first place like there's there's just nothing wrong with change in the first place if they don't want to publish those books anymore that's fine even if they don't have an underlying reason that's okay like change is okay i don't know why we're so desperate to hang on to a society that wasn't all that great in the first place but uh for people to the, the things that people have rushed to the defense of Mr. Potato Head. Now the right is Mr. Potato Head is that the hill that they're going to die on. They're, we're going to pry the Mr. Potato Heads from their cold dead fingers. Get out of here. Yeah, I mean, if you, I did not watch, but I did uh, catch some highlights of Trump's speech at CPAC. And the, you know, the COVID, uh, American Recovery Act bill that's making its way through Congress right now that I have lots of feelings about uh, that is going to hopefully reshape how we respond to this pandemic, get the economy back up and going. $1.9 trillion of spending, the second largest uh, you know, bill that we've ever passed to try and uh, you know, rate our country, rate our economy. Trump did not spend one second of his speech in any way whatsoever talking about this bill and the recovery and, and, and focusing on the pandemic and the half a million, half a million lives that had been lost. And instead we talk about things like Mr. Potato Head and Dr. Seuss, like wh- what is this? Because he doesn't care about the half a million lives that have been lost. He doesn't give a shit if you have enough money to pay your rent. Yeah. I mean, that's that's become, you know, if, if it wasn't apparent for some, I mean, I, I don't know what else he could do at this point anymore. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, that's t- t- tough stuff to watch. I mean, I, have you seen the meme? I, 
I, I don't even know if it's appropriate to call them memes. It's kind of just, you know, facts, but where it's like, what is CNN covering versus what is Fox News covering? Yes. And Fox News is covering the war on Mr. Potato Head. Yeah, it's usually like CNN, NBC, ABC, and then they're all usually like covering the same thing, some serious topic. And then it's like Fox News and it's like some wild card, uh, you know, irrelevant, unimportant, you know, thing that they're covering because they don't want us, you know, talk about the major issues that are affecting the country ravaged by a pandemic and a recession. They want to talk about, you know, how, you know, first they were going to come for your guns and now they're coming for your Mr. Potato Heads. They can pry it from their cold dead fingers, I guess. Char- Charlton Heston can be the uh, the new spokesperson for Mr. Potato Head. I, <laughs> I, I've I've never had. I mean, I, I'm a big fan of Toy Story. I don't think I've made that a secret. It's it was in my top five. But you know, if Mr. Potato Head becomes Potato Head, it'll be okay. And that's another thing too, where it's like ridiculous. Like I think it was just like they were still going to make Mr. and Mrs. They were also just going to make a Potato Head, like. Uh, kind of a gender neutral potato head like where is the harm in that like why does nobody's you know again there's no i i I have a healthy dr seuss collection not as much as you i'm not thrown away any of my dr seuss books i have not lectured my children on the awfulness that was you know 1940s dr seuss illustrations uh in their context of you know, today's opinions on race and, uh, you know, and uh, human welfare, like, it's just the straw man after straw man of like, who are these people that you're complaining about? They just quite frankly, don't really seem to exist. No, but as long as you can whip up the social media, you know, enough memes, enough social media fury, then the straw man will continue to be given life. All right. So, let's spin forward okay so we have facebook you know become this cool thing uh that connects people together which is its primary mission uh you know stated mission i should say while we you know learn over the years that really they're all they're doing is just trying to collect as much data from us as we can to try and you know get uh advertisers you know uh, the information, you know, selling our information to advertisers, the companies that, you know, would make better use of that information to sell us things. Uh, it's still always a super creepy when you Google something, uh, you know, on your web browser, and then you come back into Facebook and you see targeted ads that are just the thing that you were just Googling uh, yep. pop up. Uh, we know that, you know, Siri and Alexa are listening to us, and I'm sure collecting a bunch of data that they're not supposed to be um again you don't have to worry about your vaccine microchips you have a cell phone you are you're you participate on the internet and anybody who who wants to know could find out uh you know from a company perspective uh from a, a hacker perspective if you just happen to land in somebody's radar uh, they they can find out whatever they want about you. We've all decided for the most part that that's the cost of living in 2021 and the convenience that it uh, you know that the internet age provides. Uh, and, and you don't need the outlandish conspiracies. It's all just right out there in the open. 
If I had a dollar for every time I saw somebody post from a mobile device about being tracked by a microchip, <laughs> I'd be rich and I'd probably have a lot more <laughs> brain power left than I currently do. That That is the one that just, that's one that I just have to walk away from because otherwise I, I don't know how to say something to someone without hurting their feelings on that. Like you are seriously worried about a vaccine tracking you but you're, you're just gonna hand the data over without even i mean there, there, there's not even any effort that the companies have to put in at least for a vaccine they have to make something they inject into you jesus anyway so where do you think the trajectory is right now like do you think we're still uh going up as far as like value and importance in society's lives do you think we're starting to hit a plateau or an inflection point uh you know there's stories Again, this is not a topic I follow, you know, particularly close, but there's stories that like Twitter really is not in that good of a spot that you have an overwhelming percentage of, you know, the interactions and posts are from a very small subset of people. You have a ton of bot using and that there's really not nearly as many people on Twitter as Twitter would like you to believe. Uh, you know, the world, I think, largely recognizes Mark Zuckerberg as you know, if not a force for evil, at least like, you know, he's, his disposition is, you know, chaotic bad or chaotic neutral. Uh, he certainly uh, introduced this uh, website that has contributed to a whole lot of awful things in society. Uh, where do you think we are? Where do you think we're going? Well, first of all, I'm, I'm completely appalled that you're telling me that Peter 4079832 isn't real. <laughs> I, we had some really nice interactions the other day, so I'm, I'm a little offended by that. I, I think we're going to be friends in real life. But, um, man, I wish I could say <laughs> that I thought think that social media was losing its grip, but I don't think it's losing its grip at all. I think it, I honestly think it's tightening the stranglehold. I mean, there's already scenarios where people are in the same room, Facebooking, tweeting at each other. And, and I mean, they're not, rather than walking six feet away and having a real life conversation, I I don't think that there's any end in sight for social media. I think it will continue to increase in popularity. I think will, it will continue to increase in importance, both in people's individual lives and from like a, a societal and even like a governmental perspective. So I, I think, I think it's a monster that's just growing and growing and growing. Okay. I have a couple of responses to that. First off, if anybody wants to use their bot army to push at Buckeye Dads on Twitter. You have our blessing by all means. Go for it. Peter, if you're a listener, <laughs> make it happen. Uh, number two, uh, I want to pose a question to you in your you know, psych and, and education type background a little bit. So, you know, we hear about the dangers of screen time and all the negatives that come with it over and over and over again, medically, you know, psychologically, um, you know, kind of more esoterically. Um, and I'm not, I'm not saying no to any of that far be it from me to say no. But my question to you is, you know, we're raising a generation of kids. And if we think that screen time is important to us, you know, think of how much time you and I spend in front of a screen at work uh, think of how much time you and I spend in front of screens for our entertainment at home, 
uh, whether it's phone, iPad, TV, you know, whatever. Like, at what point do we just say screen time is a huge part of life in this in in this era, and you know, being able to navigate those things and to succeed in that kind of environment you know, is important for, you know, is practically important for your day-to-day life. Like, what do you think about that thought? Yeah. Um, I think the answer is scary, uh, first of all, but I don't think it's going to get any less important. Like I said, I mean, with social, I don't think it's going to be any less important than it is now. So uh, I think it's really hard to look at a kid and try and limit their screen time because I mean, I, I get the research, but I think to look at a kid and limit their screen time when the rest of us are spending, you know, 13 and a half of our 16 waking hours a day looking at screens is first of all, just a hard position to take like practically to, you know, that's a real big time do as I say, not as I do. And I'm not a huge fan of of that style of parenting in the first place. So to, for us to have our entire lives wrapped up in screens and then to tell kids, you know, go out and play, play, you know, not don't, don't be on that. I I don't think that's realistic for the future. I think they're going to, their careers, their personal lives are going to be increasingly more and more on screens. I think personal branding is something that's probably, I mean, it's only going to get bigger. Your whole cultivating your entire image. I think by the time our kids are probably our age, instead of it just being a quick, let's look at this guy's face. If we're going to hire him, you know, let's look at this guy's Facebook and make sure he, you know, doesn't have anything too offensive on it. I mean, I think our kids are probably going to have to create personal branding to even get basic jobs. So I think it's really tough to look at our kids and say, stay off of screens when the entire world is becoming increasingly more digital every second. I think in a pandemic, it's even, even harder to do that because they don't even have those opportunities anymore to interact with real human beings. So that I, I know that, that in my professional life, that's been a pushback I've had to have on some parents that I work with to say, you can't really have the same screen time expectations you had before because the screen is the only way kids can connect anymore. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, luckily we have things now like Zoom and FaceTime and things where it's not just, you know, you're staring at a screen with words, you know, you actually get, you know, video and you can make eye contact and you can have the nonverbal communication uh, that you would have as if, you know, not precisely as good, but uh, you know, you know, close to what you would be if you were in person and you still get a lot of those, you know, you can learn and pick up on social cues and, you know, observational learning behavior and things like that. Uh, So at least you have that part of it going. I mean, my son, when, you know, he was home from school, he looked forward to his, you know, 10 o'clock Zoom meetings with the rest of his classmates. He would ask to get on early so he could talk to his friends early, you know, setting up Zoom. Zoom dates with some friends where they just grab some toys and play with them, you know, you know, through the computers. And it's just like, you know, how do we say no, we don't, you know, and and how do we say no from our perspective? You know, I mean, I'm, I'm home, I'm trying to answer emails and do some work from home. I've got a couple of kids. They're all young and they all want attention or am I getting into something they shouldn't be? Well, you can solve that by putting something on your TV uh, and, and, and letting them watch it and usually keep their attention enough where you can go back to your screen, uh, and do the thing that you need to do. Uh, and it's just, uh, 
you know, no, I don't think anybody's really thinking it's necessarily healthy. Uh, but sometimes there's just a practical element to it that you just can't get around. I do think as life becomes, you know, I, I don't want to say, I don't even want to use the word normal because I don't think there's going to be any, I don't, I don't think the world post pandemic is going to resemble the world pre pandemic. So I think as we move into a, a you know, a, I mean, and I don't even know if post pandemic is the right word, but the next phase of this pandemic where we have some sort of, you know, control through vaccines. I'll be very curious to see which parts of things that have happened over the last year we're going to keep. I think a world that's connected more remotely is something that's going to stay. I mean, I think we could do a, probably a whole podcast on lessons learned from the pandemic that, that I think we should keep, because I, I do think in a lot of ways, some of the things that we've learned to do remotely, we should keep for reasons that are, you know, there's no reason for people to, you know, seven people to travel 40 miles to a meeting. We could, we could do all this on zoom. So I think the pandemic has pushed this even further into a place where this is going to be the reality for our kids. I mean, there's still going to be in-person interactions. I think school is going to be one of those things that continues to happen in person, but I think increasingly the business world is going to become more remote because people are going to look at the lessons learned over the last year and say, we were able to do a lot of this stuff without actually being in the same physical place. And it's so much more efficient to do it that way. So I think trying to push our kids away from screens is going to be counterproductive to the world that they're going to be growing up in. Yeah. So, I mean, again, and this is not, I would, I'm not going to put any words in your mouth. I'm not saying that I'm advocating putting your kid or my kid in front of a screen 24 seven. That's not what I'm saying. Um, But it's just, looking at what you know we previously thought about screen time and and again screen time can be educational right like you know there's plenty of ipad programs uh you know my son loves to go on the starfall and some of these other random programs and do math problems and do educational type games or whatever um you know there's certainly you know schools as more and more schools younger and younger you start getting i mean Again, my kindergartner last year had a Chromebook. We had, I don't know, maybe an hour a week in a computer lab when I was in fifth or sixth grade. Uh, that seems about right. And and now, you know, you have Chromebooks in, in kindergarten. So uh, the world is changing and technology is changing. And that means that uh, us and our children's screen time habits are going to change as well. I certainly think there's a cost to it. I, and I'm, I'm not saying... That there isn't, you know, I'm very curious to see, like, the first time we just, like, get everybody together and just all be in the same room and interact with each other. Like, you know, how does that, you know, does it, does it feel the same? Like, you know, are we, are we going to interact in the same way? Are we going to be rusty? But, I mean, that's what we're going to be looking at in the back half of 2021 and, and for the rest of the decade. Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely think there's going to be some rust. I mean, I've even noticed, you know, the, I, I'm still pretty hunkered down. So even when I go to the store and, and I have to talk to somebody, it's like, oh, this like these are things I haven't done in real life in a long time. Like, I, I don't have a mute button. I can't just make you stop. This kind of sucks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But yeah, yeah. I, I think it's going to be, it'll be really interesting to see especially, you know, with our kids at the age that they are, that we have those, you know, preschool, early, early elementary kids. Uh, I think their educational trajectory is going to be so different than we would have thought, you know, if we'd have done the show two years ago, I think 
what their education is going to look like now versus what we would have thought two years ago are going to be pretty considerably different. And I think that'll be an interesting world for us all to navigate together. Absolutely. So continuing on the topic with our kids. So you have the oldest kid in the bunch between the two of us. Uh, I don't have to worry yet about, you know, cell phone and social media apps and whatnot. But again, we're, we're early. We're ahead of the game. Let's talk about it a little bit. Like, what are you thinking? Like, what are you thinking? How old uh, is your kid going to be before they get a cell phone, you know, in this theoretical world? What, and what do you think you're going to need to do as far as monitoring and, you know, checking in on social media and, and your kids' internet usage as a whole? Yeah, I think that's a great question. Um, that's something that we've kind of said, we've, we've had those discussions. I don't know that we've necessarily come to a conclusion yet, but you know, at 10, we're starting to get those probing questions. And I know that there's kids in the class already that do have cell phones. So I think we're trying to, to take a little bit more of the old school approach of like, you know, once you start spending a lot more time outside the house. And again, I, you know, I think this is something that's probably been affected by pandemic life of, you know, if you're going to be going and having play dates and, and spending a lot of time, you know, not with the parents, I think that's a time where a cell phone makes sense. So we're kind of not quite there yet, but I mean, pr probably sooner than later, as far as monitoring, I think that's more important than that. I mean, there, there's a lot of bad things that happen on social media and, you know, we hit on the news version of it, but you know, the cyber bullying with kids is, is awful. I mean, I think we've all seen, you know, those stories where kids get, get really pushed to, I mean, I mean, kids are taking their lives because of bullying on social media. Like, let's just be honest. Mm -hmm. And I do think that that's going to be one of those really, really hard lines to tell of making sure that you know what's going on in your kids social media but also helping them gain that little sense of independence where they don't feel like you're looking right over their shoulder so I, I think that's going to be a really tough line to tow I think that's probably been a tough line to tow I mean probably forever I mean certainly for our parents as you know we had our, our little AOL instant messenger screen names and everything you know I, I mean I'm sure our parents went through that exact same you know how, how far do we let them go I think it's I mean I think it's really important to know what your kids are into though and and, and I think I'll probably at the end of the day come down on the side of I'd rather hurt someone's feelings by being too involved than let something happen because I wasn't involved enough yeah, I think that's right. Like, I just don't see a way around that. You know, I mean, you, you know, the longer they have these apps and the, the, you know, if they show a foundation of good behavior uh, and, and, you know, not being reckless and, and staying within the lines for the most part, uh, you know, I think maybe there's a potential as, you know, your kid uh, comes closer and closer to adulthood and, and they need to start you know, making their own decisions and being their own person. I mean, releasing the the, the reins and, and letting go, I think will be extremely hard for me. And and again, I catch myself, you know, you try to, you know, flirt with the line of like, uh, you know, on one hand, I want to make sure my kid is safe, you know, I, you know, and not coming to real serious harm. But on the flip side, still acknowledging that it is super important 
to let your kids fail and to let them, you know, try to be independent and, and learn skills uh, for themselves for later on in their life when you might not be around for them uh, and to not helicopter in and say, okay, like, you know, I, you know, as an example of my own life, one of my son's best friends uh, lives right around the block, maybe five houses down. Uh, but you have to go out of the cul-de-sac and kind of down one of the more main in quotation mark streets of our neighborhood. It's still very quiet. Uh, you know, but there's more car traffic and whatnot. And I'm still not to the point yet where I am super comfortable just saying, okay, you can walk all the way there by yourself without me stepping out onto the, to the sidewalk and kind of, you know, watching you get most of the way there. You know, he has friends in the cul-de-sac and I'm just like, fine, whatever, go, you know, you come go there and then. Uh, you know, you're not allowed to go anywhere else unless you come home and tell me that you're going somewhere else. But am I be? And again, our behavior is like super helicopter compared to some of the other behavior of kids in the neighborhood. Where there's a whole lot of times where we get <laughs> we've had parents show up and just be like, uh, "Is my kid here?" And it's like, how do you not know the answer to that? Like, uh, so and again, you know, and and it's generational too, right? Like. I remember when I was younger, it's not that I would, you know, had the free reign of the neighborhood, but like I would tell my parents, you know, when I was in junior high, that I was going to go ride my bike around the neighborhood, maybe go to this place or whatever. And I kind of just did whatever. Um, and maybe we'll get to that point, you know, as our, as our kids get older, but it's, it's I, I definitely also don't know where I'm going to fall and what's the the line between too cautious and, and cautious enough. Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think that's a timeless challenge for parents, but I, I, I'm pretty comfortable, I think, being on the more helicopter side. I mean, and maybe it comes from working in social work, but I mean, it only takes, it doesn't take long for tragedy to happen, as sad as that is to say. And, and it would be nice to, you know, to be able to not helicopter, but I mean, thing, things happen quick. And I think it's, I I do think it's the same thing, you know, kind of getting back to our topic for the day. I think it's, it's a lot of the same thing on social media. I mean, things happen quick and and you really have to be on top of what your kids are doing because, you know, all it could take is, you know, a couple of comments and somebody having a bad day for, for things to escalate into a really scary situation. Yeah. Um, You know, we've talked about uh, before about some of the challenges of being a parent uh, in 2020, 2021, uh, those things aren't going away. They're not getting any easier. They've, it's always been difficult to, to raise a kid and have them turn out to be happy and healthy and well-adjusted and independent and, and, and whatnot. And, uh, you know, we, we try not to inflict too much trauma we do the best that we can with the, with the knowledge that we have, uh, recognizing that everyone's imperfect, uh, but man, it's tough and social media doesn't make it any easier. Absolutely not. And hey, just just think when our kids have kids and we uh, get to be grandparents, I mean, it's going to be they're going to look back at the world that we raised them in and say, you guys had it easy. Can you believe what we have to deal with? Mm-hmm. Yep. I wonder what those things will be. And I guess we'll find out. I'm sure I, I, I'm sure they'll be. Uh, I mean, I can't imagine that our parents would have ever predicted 
social media for you know their their grandkids generate i mean who would have seen that when we were kids you know in the 90s growing up social media i mean our computers still made the funny noise when they were connecting to the internet so and our parents were you know had to get off the couch and go to the, the black and white tv to change the the channel on the tv itself you know for their parents so you know right. who knows what it's going to look like i you know i can only imagine there's so many things out there you know with deep fakes and all the different tech you know the photoshop and all the different things that you can do from a technology perspective uh that are just really like really eerie and creepy uh you know you can put somebody's face on on somebody else and and have it just be really seamless and you know you can take their voice and and put it in the different videos and whatnot and it's it's gonna be crazy uh and we'll just have to do the best we can I think as long as, as Ted Cruz is out there somewhere, we'll just have to make sure that we stay as vigilant as we possibly can. Uh, just what would Ted Cruz do and then do the opposite of that? Uh, that's great parenting advice. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Ted Cruz threw his kids under the bus about going on vacation uh, while his constituents were in a crisis. Don't do that. Don't do that. Yeah. I mean, I'd have to think about it a little bit more, but I think that if Ted Cruz would do it, you shouldn't test is, is probably pretty valid as far as parenting so <laughs> man all right all right do you have anything that you want to close this topic out before we move on to our list no i i mean thank you all for bearing with this rant like i said i got i got really fired up reading that saint john's story and and just you know i I've, I've spent as much time as probably the next person doom scrolling over the last year so it, it, it was a little bit cathartic to just get some of that uh some of that rage out over social media so th- thanks for, for to you and to the listeners out there for bearing with me on that one. Uh, my closing thought is if anybody knows whether podcast listening counts towards your Apple screen time notification on Sundays, uh, feel free to hit us up at Buckeye Dads because I really hope it does. Otherwise, the number that I get every every Sunday is it makes me feel even more queasy than it already <laughs> does. So Nice. All right, let's move on to our list of the week. Let's do it. It's the list of the week. All right, Andy. So you, I want to make it very clear to the listening public. This list was your idea, and I am tickled pink about it. Yeah, um, I was just trying to think of something fun. So one of the things that we've tried to bring back over pandemic time a little bit is, is just playing board games. So... Um, I've been really into Monopoly Junior lately, and I think, I, I mean, I think we can thank Monopoly Junior for for this list of the week. So our, our list of the week is gonna be our top five board games. And man, if you haven't played Monopoly Junior, get out there and play it. I mean, it is it's brutal. It is a game where I can compete with my four year old son and not feel bad about myself. Like I am going hard, and I want to win, and I don't win every time. And there's not a whole lot of things where you can play a four year old and have it. I mean, and be able to go, you know, full tilt and, and, and not just destroy them. So <laughs> shout out to Monopoly Junior. I think it's a great game, but we're going to talk about our favorite board games. And I'm going to guess there's probably not a lot of overlap on this list, but we'll see where it goes. <laughs> uh, I, I don't know. I'm curious. There might be, there might be some, there will definitely be one. Definitely I'm one. <laughs> um, but yes, this is something that i am uh, also a huge fan of 
he's starting again in my uh, play a ton of board games with my siblings growing up. Uh, but really, it went to the next level in college and in the years after. Uh, so I am a huge nerd, as I've pro- proclaimed many times. And board games are, you know, there's the run of the mill, you know, icons from, uh, you know, our childhood and, and, and the childhoods before us, as far as Monopoly and, and all that and whatnot. Uh, so, you know, there's the classics, there's Monopoly and Clue and uh, Operation and, and uh, Life and Shoots and Ladders and all that. And and all of those games, again, I'm not taking away from any of those games, uh, but there's, there's a couple levels higher than that uh, as far as the complexity and a tactical strategy. Uh, and I am somebody who has been three times four times somewhere in there i have gone to gen con which is the country's largest uh gaming convention uh board games are a huge part of that you know every summer in indianapolis draw about 40 to fifty thousand people uh and i just go for a long weekend my wife very graciously lets me go i meet up with some friends uh and we play board games and card games and Dungeons and Dragons and, and all kinds of nerdy shit. And it, it's a, it's one of the best weekends of the year uh, when I do end up going. So this is a topic near and dear to my heart. Yeah, that's where I'm thinking our lists are going to diverge because mine, if you go into any dusty old closet anywhere, you'll probably find, I'd say probably at least three of these games pretty easily. So I, I'm, I'm interested to see some of the games that you're into that are potentially games I've never even heard of before. So... I'm excited for this one. Okay. I have a long list of honorable mentions that I will go through <laughs> very quickly uh, to, to not go. So this, this is not really a board game, but I really don't ever see it coming up in any future episode. Uh, Dungeons and Dragons is just an amazing way to spend six hours on a weekend. Uh, and especially, you know, you get a group of friends together, uh, you know, you get some snacks and some drinks. Uh, if you, enjoy any kind of fantasy or science fiction and you can make the setting be whatever you want uh really just amazing fourth edition for life uh we won't get into the D edition wars uh love me some dungeons and dragons uh and i hope at some point to get a camp- campaign going with my kids and some friends kids uh that seems like they would be interested um so not a board game, but definitely wanted to shout it out. Uh, there's some card games that masquerade as board games. Dominion and Red Dragon Inn are both very fun, uh, and I enjoy them quite a bit. Uh, some classic games that uh, did not make my list, but I uh, enjoy quite a bit. My mother taught me how to play Chinese checkers, and her mother taught her how to play beforehand. Uh, not as good as uh, something that is on my list, but a game I enjoy. Sequence was a was a cardboard game that was very big in our house growing up uh and we loved it quite a bit uh and then just a couple quick ones scrabble is classic uh i really hate the dictionary aspect of it and people fishing for words uh and whatnot uh and my wife is currently just annihilating me in in our words with friends uh campaign so i've soured on it a little bit and then uh, Game of Thrones, King of Tokyo, Ticket to Ride. These are all games that are more in the complicated. You'll find them at Gen Con um, 
game of the game of thrones game is basically like risk on steroids and and spoiler alert risk is going to be on these lists uh all three of those are great games uh and that finally exhausts my honorable mentions list that was a very solid list chinese checkers is a fun one that i always kind of forget about but every time i play it i'm like yeah this game this game's got some juice to it so solid pick there um i think my honorable mentions list is is a bit shorter so the game of life was always fun there were a couple of times where i had so many kids i had to get a second minivan so i always thought <laughs> that was a little bit entertaining uh i mean i, th- I think that might have i think i might have gotten the life intended for you uh, with that one with the the kid the second van full of no kids dear. but <laughs> Candyland, i think would make my honorable mention list it's <laughs> so simple so you know again i have a four-year-old so you know, my list is probably going to be colored a little bit by games that, that we may play. So I like Candyland because that is one of those games that takes about 14 seconds out of the box to be able to figure it out. Just go ahead on to the next color. It ain't hard. Just make it happen. So I, th- I think those are the only honorable mentions I had for today. Good, good. Yep, definitely been a lot of Candyland historically in this house. So I, I concur. You want to you wanna lead us off with your number five? Sure. So number five for me, I'm going to pick, this is the game, this is the classic game that might be on, you know, it's going to be in a lot of households. Uh, this was my favorite one growing up because of the deduction that you needed to use. Clue is number five on my list. Oh, I think Clue will be a controversial game. I think it's a love it or hate it game. Um, I just like the fact that you know, when somebody else says no to something, no to a question posed and you're and the light bulb goes off and you're like, oh, well, if they said no to this, then, you know, then that means this and you cross things off on your list and you may have to go out on a limb to guess something in order to get it in time. Uh, always Mr. Green. Mr. Green was my uh, my go to character uh, growing up. Uh, and yeah, it's, it's number five on my list. Solid pick. I mean, I think the game of Clue is probably a much better way to try and solve crimes than like the American criminal justice system. So I will, I will certainly give it credits there. I mean, at least clue is somewhat fair and you know, everyone has a chance in it. So I, I do respect that about clue. Um, I do think that that's, that's a love it or hate it game though, because clue requires a certain way of thinking that I think you either get or you don't. I think there's people that could probably play clue a hundred times and just be like, I don't get it. So but I, I do like it. Definitely a classic. That's one of those that, you know, I talked about the dusty old closet. I would expect Clue is a game you're going to find in a lot of dusty old closets. For sure. All right. You're number five. All right. I'm going with a, a real classic here. So uh, th- this will show my lack of brain power a little bit. So it it, it is checkers. I know chess is the sexier game, especially, <sighs> you know, we talked Queen's Gambit, um, but I suck at chess and man, I will kill people at checkers. So <laughs> checkers, number five on my list. It's fun. I love it. And I'm really good at it. And it's fun to win checkers. I love getting ar- kings. I'm already embarrassed by your list. Yeah, <laughs> I, I figured that would be a tough one. <laughs> okay fair enough we and we did like who who had the checkers board in high school i feel like we there was a class that we played in maybe not maybe i'm imagining that no you're right i can't think of what class it was but you're right i remember playing some games torrance's class maybe i don't i don't know i don't know very possible number four on my list trivial pursuit so oh my god i need to go back and redo my list how did i miss it it's like my favorite game (laughs) (laughs) my Um, list sucks (laughs) i had to get 
a trivia game on there. And again, so uh, this is, you know, we talked about Jeopardy uh, in a previous episode and how we would watch that oftentimes with parents. I watch out with my dad. Uh, my dad introduced me to this game, loves to lay the smack down on me. Um, and it just love it. I mean, when you can just, you know, flex the, the brain muscles uh, and, and show off. I mean, when am I not going to take the opportunity to do that? So uh, love this game. Love just everything about it. It's the iconic trivia game and number four on my list. I am devastated that I, I don't know how I missed it. I love <laughs> it. And I cannot believe that you would bring that game up to me. Yeah. After you're done with your list, you can, you can make an edit and tell me where that game would fall. I am. I mean, I'm just going to cross number one off my list and put it there, but, <laughs> but I need to make sure that you understood what I was saying when I said, I can't believe you would bring that game up to me. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> I think you missed it the first time through. I absolutely did. Just like all the beatings <laughs> that you applied to me. Yeah. I believe there was a night where we played it basically as a drinking game. And I think every question I got wrong, I had to drink and we tried to find the optimum level of where I had enough to drink that it was competitive. Oh yeah. You, uh, you definitely, uh, uh, gave me a run for my money in all the time in trivia. And I was often, yeah. Looking up, uh, at you and the gold medal stand. So fair enough. Yeah. I mean, my guess is that the games are probably, we, we, our record was probably a lot closer, all time but i think there was a stretch where i really had your number and and i think we might have even put it on the shelf for a little bit because it it wasn't competitive for a while but i mean i'm all time i would guess that we're probably pretty close to 50 50 but i had a stretch there where i was hot um all i'm going to say is that i uh had enough brain power to put it on my list so (laughs) i did not think i can do to argue with that one (laughs) nicely played oh all right number four for you uh, number four for me is a classic, and now I just want to cross everyone off my list and put Trivial Pursuit there. But number four on my list is Sorry. Okay, all right. Another uh, one of those where where the mechanics are simple. Um, I like the ironic way that you have to say sorry when you do something that you're not the least bit sorry for, and you know that that devil side, you know, the devil sitting on your shoulder just enjoyed seeing what you just did to somebody. So. One of those games that I think you can play with just about anybody. It doesn't take a whole lot of time. I think that's one of the things that I value in board games is games that are fairly simple out of the box and, you know, a, a game that it's not you're not going to have to invest the next six hours of your life in. So I think Sorry is just a nice, fun, light game to play. Uh, my oldest would definitely agree with you. And uh, he needs to learn that it's okay to keep a guy in the hole for a while was when you get that sorry you want to be able to kick somebody off the board uh even if it's into the mid and late game so uh definitely popular in our house definitely popular for me growing up and me now a great choice great choice okay so it this is i'm gonna guess that this is higher on your list than mine it only made its way to number three number three is risk you are 100% right in your guess of where that is on my list. Okay, I'm going to let you talk about this first then. So this game is, it is number one on my list. So we'll, we'll just get that out of the way. And, and then, you know, we'll just give it a, a brief passing wave as, as we get to the top of my list. So Risk is a game that I, so we have a long personal history with Risk. But my history with Risk goes back to my parents and my grandma and any random collection of adults 
would play the same way we did, man. They would play starting at probably six, seven o'clock after dinner. And, and I would fall asleep and, and wake up, you know, to go to the bathroom halfway through my night of sleep and they'd still be up playing. So risk is that epic, epic game. You, you have to take over the world. Everybody has their own set of house rules that are very, very particular. I, th I think, you know, next to Monopoly, it's probably like the number one most customized game in existence. And I mean, how many hours of our life did we spend playing Risk? It's got to be probably tens of thousands at this point, right? Yeah, this game is number three on my list from just uh, considering the game itself with, without any of the, the memories and personal feelings with it. Uh, it could, it's probably number one easily uh, if I'm factoring in those things. Uh, because again, there was so much uh of our high school and college weekends where it was just like mostly high school and then you know fits and starts uh afterwards uh when we could break away from the kids and whatnot um i uh april almost canceled the date on me very early on when we were in the early days of us dating because i was supposed to meet her for a movie and anybody who knows my wife knows that she is punctual to a t you know it's uh, if you're on time you're late kind of deal and uh, I was, we were over at Zanx, you know, just trying to squeeze in maybe, a, you know, a, a, another risk game. And I, and I pushed it real close because again, like we, so many memories uh, amongst, uh, you know, me and you and, and Zach and uh, his dad and, and a rotating cast of uh, characters, too many stories, all the inside jokes, really just a, a hallmark uh, of those years for us. How'd you do in the game, though? Did you win? I did not win very often. No, no, no. I mean, that specific night where you almost got the date canceled on you. Oh. Was it worth it? Did you win? I mean, <laughs> I mean, we missed most of the previews, but we didn't miss any of the movies. So that's that's going as a win, regardless of the outcome okay. of the game. Uh, and, and it ended up working out okay. So, uh, yeah, we'll we'll say that we'll say that was a win, but it was close. I uh that was my first lesson in the in the April punctuality uh of don't, don't push it because I will just, you know, leave you in the dust and, and not wait for you if you're going to be late. Yeah, I mean I I I I think you hit the nail on the head. I mean, it is number one on my list for, so I, I wasn't trying to be as objective. I mean, it's, it's the nostalgia factor. It's the, when I think of, if I had, you know, if I had one day to live, what board game would I want to play with the boys? And I mean, it's, it's definitely risk. So I, I, I think we had an entire culture that grew up around risk the way we, I mean, I think there would be people that would look at the way we played and probably not even recognize the game. And, and I think we would look at other people playing and say, what are you guys doing? It's all wrong. So, I mean, and, and I mean, we have to give a shout out to Dan. I mean, I think he he invented a lot of the house rules that we played by. But I mean, we had we had a six set of house rules that we had going when we played Risk. Uh, we play Risk like men. Like, don't push, <laughs> don't pussyfoot around. Uh, and again, Dan, uh, responsible for many phrases I still have in my <laughs> vernacular. I tell my son all the time, "I'll roll when I damn well ready." Absolutely, I do that too. Uh, and he just looks at me like, I'm like, why am I related to you? Uh, but uh, someday he'll understand. So, have you called cock dice on your kids yet? Uh, I have not done that. I do have a question for you. 
Yeah. Have you have you gotten the mattress off your back yet? I never will. <laughs> <laughs> oh, all right. We could we could literally do this all night. So we'll Absolutely. we'll we'll curb the inside jokes. But man, again, I these other games I would play. I would prefer to play if I had just had to be sat down with a bunch of random uh, strangers. But give me the, give me the gang back, and it's a risk all day, every day. I, I think that's the perfect point to put on risk. Absolutely. If it was with strangers, I don't know that I'd want to do it, but but there's no game I'd rather play than, than sit down to a risk board with you guys. All right, number three on your list. Number three on my list is Scrabble. Um, word game. So, so Boggle probably should have made it into my honorable mentions, so I think Boggle is a really fun word game too. But, I mean, Scrabble is a classic. I have a four-year-old that I actually played like a half-assed game of Scrabble with which is pretty awesome. I mean, you know, he's putting cat down, trying to figure out how to, to fit it onto the board, but I think it's a great way to just learn how to spell things. Um, so I think the educational value of Scrabble is really there, but I mean, Scrabble is one of those games that gets my competitive juices flowing 100% of the time. Uh, I don't have a bad word to say about the game. It was on my honorable mentions list and definitely was definitely would be in the top 10. I just, you know, you know how there's data that shows that when, you know, again, this is a backwards view, but that when you have a married couple and the wife makes more than the husband, it really kind of affects his self-esteem. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm in that situation right now, but with words with friends, and I am just getting my ass handed to me right now. And uh, I, I'm literally, I think, on like an eight or nine game losing streak right now. And I just can't, I just, I can't abuse the, the you know, the special titles as well as her. And I'm just, I'm really depressed. I don't think abuse is the right word. I mean, the game is won and lost in the special tiles and that might be why you're getting dusted. But I, but I agree, you know, we've, we've had the words with friends and we'll play boggle on like, you know, the old school, you know, not, not on the app and the the juices get going and it's tough to lose a couple in a row that Scrabble is definitely one of those games that if I'm losing a couple in a row, I'm pissed. And then I'm probably going to, be swinging a little bit too hard and lose three or four more games just because I don't like, yeah, that Scrabble is a tough game to lose. I'm with you on that. Especially, it, again, it, it feels a little personal going to your game length thing too. Like you can put so much time and energy into a game and then you, you know, you get the, the cue on the triple letter score on the triple word score. And it's just it's like, over. it's over. You're done. Doesn't doesn't matter. Yep, it doesn't matter what you did the rest of the game. You you get the right combo, it's over. But I mean, that's that's the way it rolls. You know, sometimes you'll you'll win by the cue. Sometimes you'll lose by the cue. <laughs> QI uh, man, it's a word. I don't even know how to pronounce it, but yeah, that'll win you some games. There there are some people that are that are losing by the cue every day. Uh, and it's in you? Donald, and Donald, no, no, in the Donald, in the Donald Trump uh, <laughs> fan club. So, <laughs> I, I was so scrabble minded, I missed that one. Very nice. Yeah. All right. Number two for me is a game that this game is like perfect mechanically from a you know easy to learn, difficult to master. Settlers of Catan, number two on my list. Yeah, I got nothing to add because I never played it. So this is this game was kind of. One of the many pop culture examples for the people who uh, watched Big Bang Theory. This is the game where you ask, uh, you know, your uh, your compatriots if they have any wood because uh, it's a resource game. Uh, you trade, uh, you know, things like clay and wheat and wood uh, to get the resources you need to build things on a board. 
the more things you build, the more points you get, and whoever gets the 10 points first wins. Again, it's a, uh, not a very difficult game to learn how to play, uh, but there's just multiple layers of strategic thinking, tactical execution. Uh, and then again, obviously, you know, there's still, you know, you still roll dice and there's still luck to it. So, you know, it's not just up here. Whoever knows the game the best is going to win. Um, game I played a ton. I was introduced to in college. Uh, when you go to Gen Con, uh, there's just a big, you know, think of like a very small gymnasium at your high school. You know, for us, it was the front gym and, and maybe even bigger than that. And there's just all it is, is just games of Catan going on. Uh, and it, it's a extremely popular, extremely successful, uh, extremely fun game. And it's number two on my list. Very nice. That sounds that sounds like something I could get behind. Like I said, I've never played it before, but reminds me a little bit of like a like an Age of Empires type game, mm-hmm. but maybe yep. on, on a board. So I could get behind that. Sure, sure. All right, number two for you. Number two, and I think this one is, is going to be controversial. And if you've never been in, you know, a physical fight over this game, I'm not sure you've lived yet, but Monopoly, number two on the board. <laughs> oh, Monopoly. Uh, immortalized by uh, some Dane Cook stand-up. Uh, it's four in the morning, Grandma. You win. <laughs> uh, Where'd you get those pink fifties? <laughs> you cheating whore. <laughs> oh yeah. Um, nobody. I mean, it's it didn't make my list. Uh, nobody can argue Monopoly. Uh, what is what else is there to say? Yeah, I mean, it's absolute classic game. Simple enough, you know. I, I get like you said, mechanically fairly simple. Um. It's one of those games that every family plays a little bit different, I think. So it's it's got that nice little bit of customization. Maybe not to the extent that people have house rules for risk, but you know, there's there's families that play the 500 and free parking that makes the game go on forever. There's the you land on go, you get 400 instead of two of those kind of things. So, I mean, it, and it's one of those games that I think every person has played at least one point in their life, so it it, it is relatable. And I think it. it it is just such a great metaphor for capitalism, which I mean is what it was designed for. But basically the point of it is unless you start in a really great position and you roll with a lot of luck, you're absolutely fucked in this system. So, I mean, isn't that the capitalism that Americans know and love? So, and that's why it's one two. of the, and that's why it's one of the best selling games ever ever made in this country all right so real quick to clarify what are your family's free parking rules yeah we're, we're a 500 on free parking family yeah if you don't collect the money in the middle from free parking then you're a bad person you know statistically though the game ends a lot quicker if you don't do that because the less money that's in the game the more chance you have of the game ending before four o'clock in the morning so I think there's a great argument to be made for not doing it, but yeah, we still do it. I mean, I think it's in the rule book that you aren't supposed to do that. But again, like if you hate fun, you don't collect money on free parking. I don't know what else to say. (laughs) Okay. Uh, No surprise for me. Number one, a King's game, uh, a game I love. Nothing better than one V one sitting across the board. Who's better chess easily number one for me yeah that that was a pretty predictable one for you so tell us why chess is awesome aside from queen's gambit 
I mean, there's no randomness. You know, you just have, you know, you start with white or you start with black. Everybody has the same pieces. They all do the same thing. There's no other RNG type element to the game to the point where, you know, once you get to the highest of the highest levels, there is actually some advocacy for introducing uh, some randomness to the game uh, because it can play out, you know, uh, really the same way if you have two, you know, really, 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 really good players, it, it can go uh, pretty, feel pretty samey. Uh, but again, there's just so, so many books, you know, there's chess theory, uh, you know, pe- very smart people spend their whole life thinking about this game. And again, it's, it's you versus one other person, Milo Yamato, and, and you just find out who's the better player. Uh, I've played this game from a very young age. Uh, I was taught to play by, I believe, I believe my mother with, with some one of her brothers, uh, my uncle. Um, I, I mean, notable uh, chess moments for me uh, as captain of the chess team, not because I was the, the greatest player, but uh, I was with the team for a while and I could set the lineup without causing uh, people losing their shit. But love playing in tournaments, uh, love playing you know, real official matches with a timer and notation and all that. Uh, in college, Andy, I don't know if you remember our freshman year, uh, there was uh, a guy in our dorm, Tamer, who bet me that he could beat me one time in 50 games. And we did not finish the bet. I think we were in the 30s before spring quarter ended and we moved apart and all that or whatever. Uh, but he really wasn't particularly even close to to beating me in any one of those games and it's something that i love to do zach and i will bust out the board every now and then when we can uh you know we it's i i held the upper hand uh for for most of our time i would say uh but he's certainly gotten some reps in especially if it's if it's a speed chess type deal with a shortened timer he definitely has more of an edge i would say uh and it's a very old game a very uh, widespread and uh, played by millions of people all over the world. Uh, it's it's a perfect game, and it's number one on my list. Yeah, I, I think you really hit on that. With I mean, there's like historical value to chess. You know, I mean that that is a game that has been around forever. Great minds, great. Great history. If you're looking for a game with a great history, I don't think you're going to find one better than chess. That's a tough look, though, man. I, th- I feel like you're mentally defeated to go in, go up against somebody and say, I can beat you one in 50 times. I mean, That's... and to be fair, like he, this is something he asked for and he knew how all the pieces move, but not much more before we started. And again, I was probably like, I, I did four move checkup made on him a couple times before I had to like stop and say, okay, like, this is what you're doing wrong. This is how you block this. It's very easy to do. Uh, and, and again, you can know how the pieces move, but if you don't know how to develop the board and what you're doing, uh, you're just going to be ruthlessly annihilated over and over and over again. Uh, and he, uh, I'm not going to say that he was the best person in the world as far as learning from his losses. Because uh, I think, you know, again, eventually at some point, you're just going to catch somebody and make a stupid mistake and have a chance but uh that did not happen and uh i think it was 10 extra bucks for me so 
I don't. I mean, I know that there's plenty of golfers that would kick my ass 40 times in a row, but I don't think I'm ever going to go up to somebody and be like, let me see if I can get one out of 40, one out of 50. <laughs> off you. Like, I, I think I'm just going to be like, man, that guy's better than me and I'm cool with it. But yeah. he is a great guy. I haven't talked to him in a while, but maybe, maybe we get him on here to defend himself from your, uh, why he, why he made that tough choice. So <laughs> he, he, he was a great guy though. So, uh, yeah. that, that notwithstanding, I did love that guy and, and, maybe we catch up with him sometime yeah for see sure. if he's learned anything about the game of chess oh and that's the <laughs> other thing going back to our social media thing real quick like you go and you set your you know your c post from 2006 and it's like there there are people from high school who like they have their you know they have a different last name now that they're married and it's yep. like oh man i haven't thought about this person in a decade and now it's like, oh, what's going on with their life? And then you do the whole Facebook stalking thing and or not. And you just say, OK, like I again, that was another thing we didn't touch on. Uh, sorry, this is a huge, uh, you know, you know, getting off on a tangent here. Uh, we didn't talk about social media and reunions. Uh, you know, five years, I think pretty much everybody skipped. But even 10 years, it was like I talked to the people that I, you know, I see the people that I care about. And even if I don't really care about you, like. I might still follow you on a social media account and kind of know what's going on with your life. So uh, social media, killing school reunions. There you go. Yeah, absolutely. I, I don't know that I'll go to one and it's for precisely that reason. I can probably figure out anything I would want to know about anybody that I can actually remember their name from social media. So hundred percent agree with that, but like we talked about the world is going more and more virtual. So, Hey, maybe we'll have a virtual reunion on zoom one day. Holy shit, it's 15 years this year, isn't it? Yeah, we're old. Oh, man. <laughs> we oh, are old. Just uh, April, please edit that out. <laughs> make, make us seem younger and cooler. Uh, all right, well, you gave us your number one. Again, risk, phenomenal. Yep. Uh, it really can't, I really don't have enough... Uh, good words to say about it uh you know if you're if you're looking for a place to make your last stand ontario that's where it's at i mean yeah you're not gonna win but there, there's worse places you could die <laughs> oh, all righty is there anything you uh you want to put out there in the world before we start wrapping this up no uh well i mean yeah if if you're looking for something to do, so I mean, it's the weekend here. the The show will probably drop during the week, but so you know, the the next weekend, if you're looking for something to do and you're looking to get away from the doom scrolling on social media and just the horror that is horrible Facebook posts of people spreading misinformation, pull out a board game. People cannot get in there with with Facebook. They're not tracking, you know, your monopoly moves and trying to send you targeted ads for buy boardwalk because it's the best property in the game. So unplug a little bit play a board game have some fun excellent advice uh i would say uh, i don't know what episode will come out next because andy uh or we got we got the whole family together on, on both sides of the mics uh one of our next episodes either uh it will be this or you might hear us talk about wandavision uh and uh our our, our favorite marvel movies so you uh are going to be introducing your daughter onto the show for a quick synopsis. My yep. son will be giving his top five Marvel movies, and my wife and I will be discussing the WandaVision, which just ramped up. Uh, again, I you know I'm talking Greek to Andy. This is not something that he's really familiar with. Uh, I, I like the show quite a bit. 
uh, and we're going to go through and we're going to uh, uh, rank in order uh, the 20, the 23 or so Marvel movies uh, from least favorite to favorite. Uh, and we'll spend just a little time on each of them, uh, given the quantity of movies that came out. So uh, those are going to be your next two episodes. Uh, uh, thanks, everyone, for supporting the show. We really appreciate it. Again, feel free to reach us, reach out to us on the social media. Uh, Discuss at gmail.com. Dads on Twitter. We post the episodes on Facebook, if that's how you're still getting your news, even though we're shaking your head at you right now. Get your news from real news sources people that said any comments that you leave we are definitely going to be reading those and responding to those even though we think facebook is evil so (laughs) find us anyway absolutely all right well this has been another episode of buckeye dads discuss talk to you guys later stay safe ohio buckeye dads discuss is a podcast hosted by andy and josh it's edited by april you can find us on social media at buckeye dads on twitter And you can email the show at BuckeyeDadsDiscuss at gmail.com.